everybody. Welcome to So What'd You Think? Um, this week we are going to be talking about a new movie that is actually very old, new but movie. new to us. Citizen Kane, 1941. It is considered one of the all-time classic movies, and I brought on a very special guest. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is Ashton. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, my name's Ashton. Thanks for having me on, Nick. I appreciate it. Nick was my previous intern last year on my show mellow gold on that show we play uh we play some sweet tunes from the 1970s this oh, year we you. got it going <laughs> we got it going on mondays at 12 so tune in if you uh, i don't know how many people are listening but you know maybe there's some soul this out goes there. on like uh soundcloud and itunes and stuff does it actually yeah. wow yeah so you, right. you might get a few listeners hell yeah and what was the I time like for it. that again it? it's 12 o'clock on mondays mellow gold mm. on the radio <laughs> thank you for having me nick i appreciate it of course thank you for coming on at 2 a.m on a on a monday night not a problem <laughs> it's tough to get people out here you know <laughs> You've been pretty successful. You've got this is your third show, right? Yeah, third show. Third out, show uh, out okay. of how many possible shows? Five, three out of four. Five? Four. Seventy-five percent hit rate. Yeah, that's, pretty that's, good. that's passing. That's more than passing. Yeah, I'll take that. C's get degrees. <laughs> that's that's what, what I've been taught here. At USC. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's let's move on to the show. <laughs> um, okay, so as we said, we uh, we just watched Citizen Kane not too long ago. Um, for those of you who don't know, Citizen Kane was a movie in 1941. Uh, it is considered one of the all-time best movies, and both of us hadn't seen it. <laughs> um, basically, the plot, or, or what I'm about to say of the plot, is... <laughs> <laughs> what we assume the plot to be. What I got out of it. <laughs> this is a character named Charles Kane, and he, at the beginning of the movie, they show the end of his life where he is just passed away, and he drops a snow globe and says the words Rosebud. Rosebud. Yes. And then the rest of the movie, you're trying to figure out what those words meant. And you see flashbacks of his life and try to give context as to what those words meant. Um, and before we go into the, all these spoilers about the movie, we'll just briefly give our thoughts. It's completely spoiler-free for those people who didn't see it, and then we'll jump right in. So, Ashton, what did you think? I liked it. Honestly, I, I do not like, like I was telling you before, I don't watch movies that are that old. I'm not, a, and I'm not an avid and intense watcher of film. I like to watch explosions, and I like big grand scores, and I'm a terrible consumer. Full, full of that, this movie. <laughs> this movie is honestly the opposite, but I liked it. I actually really thought it was interesting. Once it started going... I really like what they were doing with the uh, with the flashbacks, flash forwards. I thought it was actually pretty well done, especially considering that it was such an early movie. Yeah, it was thinking about it in context of the time. It was quite modern. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think it dealt with some surprisingly complex things that I, I yeah. did not think a 1941 movie would go with. I don't know. Yeah, it had a like a interesting structure. Like it wasn't totally mm-hmm. straightforward. It, it would bounce back and forth. The whole structure isn't that complex. It's kind of just a flip-floppy A-B-A-B kind of thing. But as you, if you read into it, if you felt like it, I feel like you could probably get a lot out of it. There's yeah. a lot of complex undertones of you know different different themes that kind of pervade. We can get into it. I'm sure we'll get into it later. Yeah, no, yeah there's definitely a lot and, of interesting. And aspiration and, and kind of like how this man went from... Zero to 100 to zero, basically, over the course of his life. At least that's what I got out of it. Yeah, no, I agree. And it also dealt with some surprising issues about, like, domestic violence, which we'll get into. But 
That was interesting. I did not expect that. No, nor did I. Um, nor did I. Surprisingly progressive. <laughs> I feel yeah. like we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, okay. So yeah, now we're gonna go into spoilers. Um, yeah. So if you have not seen the movie, please go away and <laughs> come back away. as soon as you see it. Um, but okay. So I want to get right into a good discussion point <laughs> because I thought that was really interesting. So what was Rosebud? Let's. So what, you want to explain what Rosebud was? Rosebud. Rosebud? <laughs> Rosebud's one of those complex themes, I think, that you can either pick apart or you can just say it is, as it is. In in its most tangible form, it was just the sled. Mm-hmm. But the sled represents his childhood. Yeah. And you see that in the first scene, him playing out in the snow, and him and and his sled are stripped apart by, I forgot his name. What was the name of the guy that he's supposed to go I don't remember. But, you know, the, the rich man who's taking him on, yes. on whatever quote-unquote trip to take him essentially to success. But that sort of idea that money has stripped this kid away from his innocence and he pushes the sled towards this guy and he pushes it all away, essentially. And the, the sled is named Rosebud. And you see at the end of the movie that's burned in the furnace of his palace on the hill. And it's swept away in the wind with all the rest of whatever his success and anything he thought he was as he is dead. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, I feel like I totally agree with you. I watched the movie. I watched it. Yeah. Excellent analysis. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think the furnace definitely represented like him not being able to go back to that past that he had as a child. Um, What did you, what did you think about the snow globe? Well, I didn't, you said as we were watching, you thought you immediately saw the snow globe and was like, "Oh, that's home." Yeah. And I didn't get that, but well, that I think that might actually be my what it interpretation of it was when he picked up the snow globe at the end. I thought that when he shook it, it looked like the first scene. Yeah, it, I thought that it was the actual house, just mm-hmm. like when he picked up the sled. It said Rosebud on it. I mm-hmm. thought that the that the the house inside the snow globe in you know like the actual little figurine was that house the original property that his family owned right. that the mom and the dad owned i'm not sure if that's I, yeah what i don't know was. if it was cuz i don't think it matters necessarily if it was like the house it's but i think the the snow and like it was supposed to represent yes. home yeah that's why i um, think he didn't break it in that scene where he completely tore up the room he picked it's like that the one up. thing he literally didn't break in yes, that in he that room picked it up and then walked away Mm-hmm. with it in his hand and then walked somberly through the rest of the house or whatever and then that's the rest of it. You and see then it. once he dies, it, it breaks. breaks. Exactly. So it's like when he's living, he breaks everything else and that's the only thing he saves yes. and when he dies, that's then when it, he breaks Then it that. leaves with him just, yeah. as, just with, the, with the sled. Yeah, after some interesting dead, imagery it gets, actually. It gets burned. Yeah, it was yeah. actually a really smart movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I had more symbolism than I... I, yeah. I, I guess I assumed it would have some, but yeah. Um, but then... So before they revealed that Rosebud was the sled, I thought they were going to leave it as they weren't going to explain what Rosebud was and the whatever like the butler or whatever was saying like mm-hmm. he was saying like doesn't even or like it's when they were talking they're like oh we never figured out what Rosebud was and like well, it doesn't even matter like Rosebud was just a thing that he said and it was just a word it was just a his last word it doesn't have to have any some deep meaning yeah and I almost liked that a lot I was like oh okay that's if yeah, you, if you left, it and maybe that, it doesn't have any meaning. He's has, he's left and he's dead for has no meaning left. There's no no purpose. Like I don't. That, that's an interesting interesting point that you could bring up 
if they had cut it short there, you could have said maybe Rosebud is the the unknown about this guy. They don't really explain mm-hmm. very much about him, right? Yeah, they, it's the whole thing's about his life, but I feel yeah, like at the same but time. But you don't actually learn that much. You just learn about his printing business and that he just became absurdly wealthy. That's it. You don't learn anything about who he is or like why he is. Right. The only thing that you get about why is that first scene when he's taken away from his family. That's it. I think that's an interesting frame that they use too, because they started it off with like basically uh like documentary piece about his life and yes. i feel like that almost framed the whole movie to make you believe that you're watching it from like an omniscient perspective like you weren't almost supposed to connect it's yeah. like almost like you're watching an extended documentary on him yeah totally and i i think that if they had left that part out in the beginning that narration piece for whatever the first like six seven minutes of it i wouldn't have been able to follow the movie mm-hmm. it was i think that was actually really important because I, I wouldn't have i picked up on those little pieces like when they had said earlier on they had said that that the that the whatever the election was going to be lost by him because of that affair. I would not have picked up on that if I hadn't heard that before we saw that yeah. 45 minutes later. That was kind of nice. At, at at the beginning of the movie, I was like, "Oh, they just explained the whole movie to me." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh no, am I going to be like bored?" But I think yeah. actually it ended up did helping. No, it absolutely. It, it provided a necessary sense of clarity that you probably needed for the movie. Absolutely. Especially cuz I feel like a lot of the movie was a lot of kind of it wasn't so much dialogue it was just like a lot of a little bit too much you know what i mean like even just going down to like the the cuts and the the way the <laughs> frames move everything is like a millisecond too long or like just a little bit more than it needs to be or at least the feel of it you know what i mean i guess so i think that's maybe an old movie kind of thing like it's just the pacing of editing mhm just is not the same yeah there were some like cuts i feel like that lasted too long or like and there were also some weird scenes that i just didn't understand right yeah i I can't really pinpoint anything but there was like maybe a couple 45 second scenes that they could have just thrown away can you give like an example or i I can't think of it right now you're the one who took notes i didn't take notes but there were like a couple like there were like transition scenes Mm. that were maybe two or three lines of dialogue that they didn't really need. Maybe it was just because I couldn't really hear the dialogue very well, but I have no mm. idea. Yeah. I'd probably have to watch it again to see, like, exactly where you need yeah. to trim it down. It was a two-hour movie, it, considering that it was from 1941. An hour and 59 minutes is crazy long. That's pretty, yeah, I would agree. That's, like, that's a lot of film. Think about how many reels of film they had to use <laughs> physically. To be able to yeah. to create that movie, so yeah. that's ridiculous. I wonder what the average, what the average length of film was in 1940. I'm guessing an hour. Yeah, no, I would I would guess something's happening. I suggest that we uh we move off this yeah. mic one and move to this. Yeah, that should that work. better. Yes. Oh, okay. That's that's the better. one we use on our show. On our show. Oh, really? Yeah. We, these well, why don't you say that? Better. What are you doing, Ash? <laughs> these, these mics are better. These are like professional radio mics that make your voice sound deep and boomy. Hello. Exactly. Yeah. You're listening to Mellow Gold. You're on the radio. listening. No, You're listening the... to Nick. Ledoux's Stop plugging show. your show, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any other show. What can I say? My show. <laughs> the show you're on. Fair. You listen to Nick Ledoux at 2 a.m. on. Tuesday morning, technically. Monday night, Tuesday morning. Yeah, that's what I always say. Monday night, 
Tuesday morning. Maybe Tuesday morning. Maybe Tuesday morning. Yeah. It depends on what you're feeling. Yeah. And on the East Coast, it's definitely Tuesday morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? We're talking about a length of film in the 1940s. Yeah. But I would say the average film is probably still like an hour and 45 minutes. I wouldn't say it's that long. An hour and 45 minutes? But what do you think the average then was, though? You really think Even it was shorter. An hour, so, hour 45 now, right? Average, look at average length of movie... Let's just see what this is. 100 minutes? It's an hour and 40 minutes? Yeah. That's now. Average length of movie. In whatever. Like 1941. See if something Sure, we can find something. Movies are actually much, aren't actually much longer than they used to be. Ooh. This is directly really? contradicting your statement. <laughs> oh, see, I, I wouldn't know. Okay, it's just wait, an so, assumption. Yeah, in 1940. Yeah. Where, what is the source? Um, this is a random. RandallWolson.com? I believe it. <laughs> oh, Randall S. Olson. <laughs> Randall Solson. Randall S- I saw it as one word, and I was like, that's a... <laughs> okay, yeah, it, lo- it looks like a little slightly longer. This saying is the average movie is now like 120, so someone's wrong. Huh. Well, so anyway. Yeah, about 20 minutes longer, I would say. Interesting. But I just, it, it was well done. Definitely, it was well done. It didn't feel like it was a two-hour movie. You yeah, know? Like I you was walk not in, bored. Yeah, like I and I saw the new King Kong, or not the newest King Kong. It's the King Kong from when we were a kid. The one that was like the three hours one. long. Yeah, yeah. the Jack like, Black one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I probably watched that movie and felt like it took an, an entire lifetime to watch I, that. I, I watched that movie, movie in probably three days because I couldn't sit. It, it's just not good, but. This was fine. This is two hours of black and white, literally my least favorite thing, and it was totally great. Black I and white it. is your least favorite thing? I don't I think just, you've seen enough black and white movies. No, I, I just <laughs> I, I like to watch Transformers. What can I say? There's not you can't really take a deep dive analysis how, into Transformers, yeah. but you know, it's fun. <laughs> I'm surprised you like the movie so much. I didn't realize yeah. how hot take of a film goer you were for yeah. this movie. <laughs> I, I like this stuff. It's just like a hassle. Like yeah. I was telling you earlier, like I, I watch for for visual entertainment, not for like. Yeah. If I want to, if like if I want to watch to watch and and understand, then I'll find a movie to do that. You know, like mm. I'll watch. I don't know what's something that gets you thinking. I don't know. Inception. Inter- Inception or Interstellar. I'll watch something <laughs> like mind blow it. I'll watch a Christopher Nolan movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'll watch something that that's gonna take me on some loopy weird journey. But this wasn't like that. This was fairly straightforward. And if you wanted to dig into it, you could, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. I think the main thing I was worried about going into this movie was that I was not going to be interested in the plot. Yeah. I think so with some older movies that have been considered classics, I've like been I've thought they were pretty dull. Um and I've left the movie being like, "Wait, what happened in that movie?" Yeah. This movie I actually I left knowing what happened. I, yeah. And I like I think I got a deeper level of the movie, which is I I was yeah. kind of surprised I, I got I think that. that's maybe partly due because the plot rather frames the the subtones instead of you know whatever the themes kind of driving whatever the plot is you know it's mm-hmm. kind of backwards like yeah. it, it didn't matter what the plot was in this movie i guess as long as it's some sort of thing following some guy's journey to success and then eventually failure right. you know it didn't matter if he was a publisher or a newspaper writer he could have been yeah. a nascar I, driver it didn't yeah. matter i would say the details i probably still would be a little fuzzy on yeah as far as like what his 
I guess I know like what his job was, but like I don't yeah. know. But I think the main plot line of him reaching success and then failing and then like him falling in love with his first wife and yes. then like and cheating then... on her and then I feel like that whole plot was very easy mm-hmm. to follow, very visually easy to follow as well. Yes. Like I feel like if you didn't get any of the dialogue, you could still probably get absolutely the majority of that. One hundred percent, especially that that breakfast scene. With uh, with yeah. him and the wife, I wrote that scene it. down. That was my favorite scene in the movie. Yes, I <laughs> that I think that is probably the best scene in the movie. And then they mirror that with the second wife as well. Yeah, kind of yeah. not not exactly in, in the same way. way. Exactly, yeah. but like the first scene with the first wife, and they show whatever the clothing changing to yeah. to simulate yeah. passing time. Whatever I would definitely it say is. that it has to be like one of the first movies to ever do that. Probably because I, I've seen it probably done in other movies. Yeah. I've probably seen it better in other movies, but. Still, that's it was a really good scene, I think. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, it's like everybody copies everybody. You know, like when uh, right. when American Beauty came out, that stupid little marimba in literally oh, yeah. every trailer ever. Right. Started well, I saw in American, American Beauty, Beauty like two years ago, uh-huh. and I was like, ugh, they like use this in the movie, but apparently they started they were the it. first one. Yeah. They started it just yeah. like it's. Uh, what the heck is the name of the effect? It's like the Seinfeld effect. Like, there's actually something that has to do with it. It's like. Something gets so overused, mm-hmm. and it just becomes so cliche that the yeah. actual original is overshadowed and right. then kicked That's off. That's the same thing with like the Inception Buong noise. Yeah, that like, was the first. Yeah. That was the first movie trailer. to ever use it. Yeah. They, that was something that Hans Zimmer came up with. That crazy. Yeah. You know, like deep rumble that's supposed to make you feel something. I yeah. don't know, but then it was just like, wow, that's a cool noise. Let's use it in everything. Yeah, that's what happens to great things. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Overused, you overuse it, and overuse it, and becomes sucky. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a horrible. Because some things stay good, like the air horn. You know that stupid little air horn, like uh, that they the play. Wah, wah. Exactly. <laughs> that I think the first. I don't have proof for this, but I'm. I think that the first use of that was in. That Drake song forever, you know, that was on like mm-hmm. that the two K thirteen, the NBA two K thirteen soundtrack. Yeah, that actually, one. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time I think that that anybody had ever used that stupid little air horn. And after that, <laughs> everybody used the air horn. Yeah, and you can get that an app really on your phone now. An app. Exactly. There was. I yeah. remember one of my friends had it and would always use it. <laughs> totally. After every joke they said. Yeah, exactly. You just got so burned. It's <laughs> exactly what yeah. it is. But we're digressing. <laughs> yeah, we. I have a tendency to do that. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> I've been on your show before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, let's go back to some of these points I wrote down. Uh, we did actually talk a lot about them, uh, some of these. But, um, yeah, we already talked about the structure a good bit. Um, I thought, so there's a lot of narration, specifically at the mm-hmm. beginning. And there's a lot of text on screen. But I think that was mostly during the little documentary 15-minute opening thing. Yes. When I wrote that down. But I, thought, I still thought that was very interesting that they... It's almost like a silent film style where they like yeah, write the text on a screen mm-hmm. explaining exposition <laughs> instead of like Yeah, and they also it. they kinda give you an earful or mouthful, whatever it is, in the beginning. They yeah. just give you a lot of information yeah. and they're like, run with it. I would say that's almost a critique of it. I feel like a movie, if it came out now and there was a fifteen to twenty minute expositional scene oh, describing get the entire ripped movie. Into. <laughs> like that would not go over well. Like yeah. I feel like the number one thing you te- like get taught in film school is like show it visually instead of with words. Yeah. And there they go. Explaining the whole plot. Oh that's an interesting point. I, I'm not in film school. You're in film school. What do you think that your professors would have said about the general just the general structure of that film? 
not from a lens of oh it's a classic and it has a hundred on rotten yeah, tomatoes but like, like on a lens of like what you're learning and technique wise yeah i feel like if maybe if it came out today people would be reacting differently to it i think there's a lot of movies that like do this whole expositional scene like to catch you up on what's been happening and we'll mm-hmm. do this huge like almost documentarian style film at the beginning and people get critiqued all the time for it like it's not it's not a style maybe it's maybe it's because it's been overdone by movies yeah. like citizen kane but people don't seem to like that i don't know what professors i've never asked a professor like what they think about the expositional scene and yeah, Citizen I, I, would, I would just have no idea about it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have never, I've never taken like a film class, film class, taken a film scores class. Yeah. So we learn about it's not the technique, but you can learn about the general style and how it evolves. I guess mm-hmm. you could say. But yeah, I feel like it's similar for you know, cinematography, story mm-hmm. building, and kind of the way they frame this kind of stuff. Right. I think it was fairly rudimentary, at least from my perspective. Like, especially considering some of the just crazy like a memento crap that's coming out today, you know, like where it just, it's so absurdly overdone that you just are not even meant to understand it. You're saying memento is crap by the way. No, memento is great. Memento is great. (laughs) But like, like, I mean stuff like that, like where some stuff is just so crazy convoluted that unless you are dialed in for an hour Mm. and a half, you will not get it. Right. I do think it, the movie did follow a general, like film structure that mm-hmm. we learn about in like film like this is eight like step thing that we've learned about a lot in my film class and, what like, is the it? first one is like the hook okay and i think they use that with the uh, they show at the end of the movie basically mm-hmm. where he dies and he says rosebud so that's the hook yeah and you got like i guess the next thing is like the inciting incident it's so, like what makes the ball rolling like what makes you the main character say invested okay so, i guess that would probably be them trying to decipher what rosebud meant Okay. So, in this context, like, the main character is actually the guy trying to figure out what yeah. Rosebud means, not... Yes, not not, not actually, Kane. not Kane, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't necessarily want to decipher <laughs> the eight action, or eight Fair. parts of the movie. But I just don't know, that's, I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, basically it follows, like, then the main character goes through several series of failures that they... They think that's going to be the solution, and then they fail at it, and then there's okay. an even bigger obstacle that they come, and then... Um, they basically continue going through multiple stages of that. Then there's generally in the fifth or sixth part of the movie, there's like a romance part, which okay. kind of happens yeah, with the second happen. wife, and they go in more depth with that. And then the seventh is kind of like the conclusion, and the eighth is like the epilogue, I guess. So like, yeah, I would say it generally, I would say it follows that for the most part. I, w- I don't know exactly yeah, what the steps are. Exactly, we did like just watch was. it, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, let's move on. Um, yeah, okay. I also said that there was some cheesy, like, slide transitions. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it's cheesy because it's now. I think so it's that... it's hard to look through a lens of a 1941 film in Absolutely. And if you, again, thinking about the technical hurdles that an editor or, you know, somebody behind the camera would actually have to hurdle to create a smooth transition is just it's so much harder than today, you mm-hmm. know? Like... Right, being on actual film, I'm sure. Yeah, laying actual film or cutting tape mm-hmm. precisely is so absurdly difficult. To actually get it correct is a monumental task for a full film. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like almost 
all editing mistakes of like milliseconds that you were mentioning yeah. off. Like everything felt a little bit too long. I yeah. feel like that you can't even blame that. Like no, I mean you can't, but you can feel it. Being anything jarring about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean we saw that one cut. I don't remember what where in the movie it was, but mm-hmm. it was like you could tell that they were moving from one reel to another because the second yeah. reel hadn't started. It was a still frame of her with her <laughs> freaking mouth open. And yeah, it was yeah, fading that. into that, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it started when yeah. it was about halfway through the fade, which, like, that doesn't fly today. But I'm sure that yeah. was like, oh, look, we're switching reels, you yeah, know? Well, like, if you film it on real stock film, then maybe... Yeah, it's probably <laughs> I'll, probably I'll quite the, difficult. I'll give, them, I'll give them the credit. <laughs> yeah, they get a pass. They get a pass. But, like, you notice pass. those things, so, you know? Like, if, if you're mm-hmm. used to watching contemporary film and mm-hmm. you watch something that's old, you notice everything. Like, everything. Because we're so used to perfection. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting debate of whether, like, an old film with small imperfections like that is, can you discredit that because of today's technology? Yeah. Or should you say, no, that was great because that's the best they could have done in that time? Yeah. I mean, also, some of it's the charm of, you know, like, mm-hmm. listening to something or watching something old. You know, like, yeah. we collect old old stuff because we like nostalgia for the past you know we 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 like vintage instruments we we collect jean jackets from the 60s we like that stuff it's fun yeah i would say there's yeah there's definitely a sense of like you feel like this is a 40s film because of things like that that Mm -hmm. stand out um i do i just think that's interesting that you can look back on this film like if like take year and technology out of it if you Mm -hmm. compared that to say like i don't know like a rival or like some movie that just came out like 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 one that just has better editing, like yeah, just like without a doubt, <laughs> yeah. Like so, I don't know, but I don't. I wouldn't discredit Citizen Kane at all for that. Just, just no, not at all. And, you and have to include genre and technology. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The citizen, I mean the uh, the the story and the the plot does not suffer from any of whatever deficiencies the actual physical film might. Mm-hmm. So that just goes to show a great story and a great screenplay will trump whatever whatever editing job you do, whatever camera you film it on, whatever lens you use, it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's at the core of it is it's the story. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always it's That's, the story. Yeah. You always learn that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. Um Oh yeah, we kinda talked about this as we were watching the movie. The there's a lot of like silhouette shots, a lot of like mm-hmm. cool black and white where like there would be the lighting behind them would be white and they would be like yeah, solely complete black. silhouette, yeah. It's very interesting cinematography. I really dug it. <laughs> I do you guys shots... do you guys learn about that in school at all or no? Or is that yeah, kind of a production film thing? Classes for like a couple of weeks. It's like a production <laughs> yeah, thing, right? Be, yeah, that'd be a production thing. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah, yeah, we could we've briefly touched on like backlighting and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but um I, yeah, I think a lot of the shots were cool and just, like, the the meaning that is probably behind it, like, they're all black. It mm-hmm. might be, like, a more menacing or, like, mysterious thing. I know, like, that one shot is, like, the light was coming in in the bank when they were trying yeah, to yeah, get yeah, those yeah. papers. Mm-hmm. And the lady was all black, so maybe it's because, like, he doesn't know what's in the papers and he's trying yeah. to find out. So once he mm-hmm. reveals what's in there, like, she wouldn't be a yeah. silhouette. Uh, it definitely also hooks your eye on whatever they're trying to bring you to. You know? Yeah, I think it's all it's very visually like a mm-hmm. very nice image to look at. Absolutely, but they only did that twice. They did that in mm-hmm. one of the first scenes in the movie, and they did in the bank scene. I was looking for it again, and they yeah. didn't do it again. Yeah, well, because I think that is what makes black and white films so great. Yes, because 
Sure, they didn't have color back then, but I think that's what makes, especially movies that choose black and white now, Yeah, there's always specific reasons that mm-hmm. they do it, and it's because the sharp contrast mm-hmm. you can get between a white and a black image is yeah, absolutely. very interesting. So when you utilize it by using like silhouettes and stuff. I yeah, totally. I also really like that, it's not the same thing, but the mirror, the mirror shot. Of oh, him walking like, through the infinite, infinite hallway. That's just cool. That's like yeah. Stanley Kubrick. That is cool. Really cool stuff. I, there's definitely a deeper meaning to that shot, I bet. Probably. Because it's Citizen Kane. I would probably guess maybe because it's the end of his life and he's about to like die. So maybe it's like there's infinite alternate versions of him of where maybe he wasn't as dissatisfied as he was. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it's Citizen he's Kane. He's never reading so into not. it too much, you know? <laughs> it, it, sometimes it's. I feel like it's funny because like... Every single time anything is released that's released to a public, there's Mm -hmm. always a fan theory or, like, some conspiracy thing. And then, you know, it'll come out years later with, like, the director or the writer will be there. I'm like, oh, no, that didn't mean anything. Right. I I always love when you hear theories. Like, we just watched a movie in our film class today, like, Brick. Okay. And there was this one character that he would always talk to. Mm -hmm. And then after the movie, he's like, oh, so there's this theory that uh, this one character was in his head. What do you guys think about that? Like... Like I don't care. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a theory. Like it's a, yeah. Does it doesn't add or take away anything from yeah. my experience with the film? They didn't explicitly say exactly. That. Like, exactly. It probably wasn't. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, sometimes it's fun to just come up with uh, yeah, with ideas. It's, it's an interesting thing to debate. I would say, but yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't know that, it, that that's a that's a cool point about the mirror thing. That's I feel yeah. like that's something that you could write about. I could write for a paper. Some, like, I could you could write a paper BS on that. Paper. Totally. So I love that. Give, I love that five stuff. five pages. I could do that. Totally. That I mean, I took art history for <laughs> hey, you're four. You're a major. You could write 20 pages on it. could write 20 pages on it. But yeah. I, I took art history for oh, four comments. years, and literally, I was so good at that stuff. Just yeah. you look at something, and then you just make it up. Yeah. And it's right. It doesn't yeah. matter. As long there's as no you right can opinion, there's no there's no right answer. It's true. There's That's no what right they answer. Say to the majors. <laughs> there's no right answer. It's Here in true. the real world, there are right answers. <laughs> But I, it's it, that's the cool thing Jeez. about analyzing art, you know. It's yeah, like, it's like whatever yeah. path you want to take, as long as you as long as you can clear the thought path and kind of support it with whatever whatever you can think of, mm. it's all good. Yeah, yeah. There really is no right answer. Mm-hmm. There's there's many different interpretations that you can get because mm-hmm. whatever you take out of a film is totally subjective. So like, yeah. Yeah, you can. I can definitely interpret that, and there's that's not wrong to do that. And you can definitely not interpret it that way. I wonder, have you ever watched a, a movie, like in this kind of format? You watch it, and then mm. you talk about it, and watch it again, like, like immediately right after? after. Have oh, you God, ever done no, that? I mean, that's a lot. That. I wouldn't do I'm, that. I don't think I'm gonna start adding that to my show. Then I'll be like morning. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot. It is absolutely a lot. Yeah. I mean, just being it at two a.m. is a lot. <laughs> But I feel like that yeah. that could be really interesting because if you if you watched a movie with a friend and then you talked about it, whatever mm-hmm. the same thing that we're doing, mm-hmm. you start to kind of pull stuff up from the ground and then you can touch on those things while you watch it again. Yeah. Like I this is completely random, but like I watched Avatar three times when it came out in theaters. Every time I went back, I saw something new. Yeah, no, and I, I feel that like with, with all films, absolutely. And um, I feel like if you watch something that was a little more dense than Avatar, <laughs> it could actually be really interesting. But that's the only movie I can actually think of right now that I've seen more than once in theaters mm-hmm. within a couple week span. Yeah, no, I've definitely done that with some movies. It's very cool because you'll you'll miss 
like just because you naturally zone mm-hmm. out occasionally in movies, like you yeah. miss certain dialogue, you miss sometimes the plot information. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you see the second time, you're like, oh, that's what yeah. this movie meant. Like you start looking at the exit sign to your left in the, in yeah, the theater, exactly. and you're like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. And then it just passes you by. Yeah. And Actually, the, yeah. Well, one thing is like I just we watched The Big Lebowski in my film. I love last that movie. Day. I like it too, but I've the first time I watched it, I dozed off a little bit in the second act. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's probably because I was tired. And then I rewatched it, and I What'd fell you asleep in the same part. I don't know. I'd never seen really? that part. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Know. But it was so comfy and warm, and, and <laughs> when we were watching it, I just dozed off again. And so maybe I, I'm starting to blame the fault of the film. That is a movie full of crazy conspiracies. Right, because I wake up, and then I'm like, what? Where am I in this <laughs> but movie? But also, the, the entire so movie is... <laughs> seemingly ridiculous like there's no rhyme or reason to anything like mm-hmm. why they're doing anything you just don't know there's yeah. no there's no reason why does he pay for milk with a check i don't know because he's the dude that's the excuse <laughs> that for everything so funny it's great the check is his 69 cents yeah <laughs> it's just like this whole uh, my favorite scene so is ridiculous. the end he's at the bar exactly oh, but yeah. my, the end with sam elliott he's like Who the dude abides it's like it's like literally it's like spoilers a dodge ram for, commercial uh, <laughs> spoilers for the big lebowski <laughs> yeah exactly we um, again we're off topic yeah, we're, we'll, we're we'll get back on to citizen kane citizen kane i don't know how we can connect with that but um okay uh oh another thing is i had there was a lot of very long takes yeah and i think that may have been because it's an older film and maybe plays were more common like stage things maybe mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know much about orson wells maybe he was a stage actor but i think a lot of a lot of those shots would last like a minute or two yeah which was surprising like that whole shot of him tearing down and hits that entire room it was yes. all one shot yeah uh-huh Unless absolutely they, like, very s- stitched together really it, well but it it definitely was that was one shot yeah, that's 100 percent. which is imp- it's, that's, that's impressive that's kind of crazy I, yeah it's pretty good i probably would not have done that yeah because I, then you have to reset up the room if you did it wrong mm-hmm. that's but crazy even even the dialogue shots if you notice that mm-hmm. might be an old thing but usually they'll have both actors in frame speaking mm-hmm. to each other as opposed to maybe nowadays like over the shoulder it's an over the shoulder yeah. thing yeah. which I, I maybe that was a technical challenge or maybe Possibly. it was a style thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough well, about was, yeah, film. Film was like tangible back then, so yeah. maybe they just like didn't have enough film. Yeah, I mean, I mean also even trying to hide the the cameraman. You know, imagine mm. how big the equipment is. I mean, it's not an over yeah. the shoulder kind of thing. It's not that's a camcorder. Maybe that's yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting that they actually show both people. They wouldn't even mm. be looking at each other. They'd be like kind of like looking. Yeah, it was not like, at like the, the camera whole, like sitcom style thing. Where kind like, of yeah, you're the you're the one part of the table, mm-hmm. and everyone else sits on the, the exactly three other yeah, parts yeah, of the yeah, table, yeah. and they never sit on the fourth. Totally, and they never really look yeah. at each other, and they never really look at the camera. Facing towards the camera, it's like what you learn it's like, when you when yeah. you act. Yeah, yeah it's on, like on kind stage. of, but kind of not. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's yeah yeah. The more thing about it, it definitely felt like. Like a play. Yeah, almost. totally. Or like a, a theater. Like yeah. It felt like theater. Fully. Like 100%. But they also broke the fourth wall, that one guy, like three times yeah, in one scene. that was weird. Really he weird. He was like, oh, he's at it again. Yeah. Looks I, the camera like. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that part. There yeah, were a couple parts where I was completely lost. It, it took me out of the movie because I was like, what? Yeah. Am I supposed to be included in this movie? <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. We did it again later, too, uh-huh. with a different character, and he looked at us, and he like, yeah. said a line to me, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I was like, what? It, so he, <laughs> yeah, a little weird. A little weird. Yeah, I, I'm with Some choices I wouldn't have made, but I, that's why I'm not a director, and that's why I didn't make the, yeah. <laughs> the most famous movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very or at true. least one of. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. 
it was the first time they did it. It was almost like, oh, maybe like they didn't, they didn't, they cut it too late. <laughs> like, yeah. He, like, looked at the camera because he thought the scene was over. <laughs> yeah. But then they did it later, so I guess yeah. it was purposeful. Yeah. I don't know. You can never really infer, I feel like, what's purposeful and what's not, you mm-hmm. know, because again, like it comes down to all the art stuff. Like there are quote unquote no mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. or like even. With the conspiracy theories, like the conspiracy theory stuff, like whatever, mm. did it? Did the guy actually mean to do that? Nobody knows. Only yeah. he does. You know, well, only he does. I have no idea. But it all contributes to whatever this vibe of the movie is, mm. which I think overall was quite good. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to like the long takes thing. I would like there was the one shot where the where he was being taken away from his family, like near the beginning, mm-hmm. with the like the sled and everything. That was a really long take. That was, that a, was really a huge scene. Yeah, that whole scene was like one take, and then the end they, they yeah. did a close up of the mom and then panned down to the kid, and that was the whole scene. That was like it yeah. was literally two shots. Now that you say, I'm pretty sure that while they were in the house, mm-hmm. they didn't even cut in between the house and outside. I think that it was oh, she really? opened up the window, right, uh-huh. and as they walked out, they zoomed out, and you could see the house, the whole house, uh-huh. and you could see them walk through the front door and come outside. Yeah. Because they, okay. they shifted the yeah. focus onto the kid. Yeah. Without a cut. Okay, yeah. I would have to watch it again, but I, I, I trust you. Yeah. I, I think, that, think that's what it was. I think. I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah. It's kind of crazy because a lot of directors, I think, would be apprehensive to probably do that. I know mm-hmm. there's like Spielberg is known for having long takes like that. Yes. Kubrick was known for that. But like I, a lot of like random modern directors probably wouldn't do that. But I kind of like it because it, it yeah. lets the actor breathe and they mm-hmm. can have space to actually act. And, like, I don't, it makes it feel more realistic. Yeah, totally. I mean, have you, have you ever seen True Detective? The, uh, not the, mm-hmm. like, the first season? Mm-hmm. You know that one scene where Matthew McConaughey is, like, kind of in the, like, the biker drug den and they're mm-hmm. having that shootout? Yes. That entire yeah. scene, I think it's, the, it's eight minutes or something like that. Yeah. Something crazy where yeah. he's moving through that little neighborhood all one shot. Right, yeah. All one shot. And that's the thing. It's like when people do it now, it's like, oh, my God, you yeah, have to like, go that watch was the show because yeah. it's like they did this one amazing mm-hmm. scene, but it was, I feel like, much more common back then. Yeah, like, and plays, I think the, exactly it comes back take. to the play like, thing. Yeah, I think yeah. it's very – now, I did not think of that until you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. It totally feels like going to the theater. Yeah. Absolutely. Which, I mean, when you go see a movie, when back, especially back in the 40s, you mm-hmm. would go to theaters. Like, yeah. they would play them in theaters, and it was like a theater-like experience. So. Yes. One hundred percent. I think movies in general were probably a lot more like that mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, and I think a lot of it was kind of. I think that maybe a lot of it was. This might be a stretch, but a lot of it was kind of grouped into the same kind of theater type categories. You know, there's dramas. Mm. There's comedies. You know, like there's Charlie Chaplin, obviously a comedy. There's dramas, Citizen Kane. There's yeah. what's the third one? A tragedy. You know, mm. that could be a tragedy as well. But this, yeah. I feel like stuff was grouped. That. Nowadays, you, it's so fluid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you could come up with something completely brand new off the top of your head today, and it would fly. You know, like, I feel like if you came out with something back then that maybe what didn't conform, maybe it wouldn't be received so well. Yeah. Because of that transitional period in between maybe the theater and actually putting, you know, film to screen. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Uh, that's, I think this is very interesting, like idea to like think about that movies were probably conceived and like generally just thought about differently back then mm-hmm. than they are now. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's let's move on to some other points. Um, yeah, we kind of talked about <laughs> we t- we talked about the looking at the camera. We talked about 
Um, there were some weird, like, close-up shots, I think, too. There's, oh, like, yeah. Some characters that they would, like, they would react, but it would be, like, yes. way too close to their face. And well, like, that ah. one that one piece when they had the, the dinner, whatever, you know, like, yes, that little that dinner. that was literally the one I'm picturing. Yeah. <laughs> where he's, I, like, he's dancing yeah, and then he cuts to turned to me guy. and was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, I think it was because they were trying to get those two people in the shot, but the way they were positioned physically in the yeah, space, the one guy, one was, guy was, like, was, like, he was practically really touching the close. lens of the yeah. camera. <laughs> I think it's because they wanted to get them both, but I feel like they maybe didn't want to actually move. You know, because mm-hmm. they were sitting around that table. Right. So there's, it's, it, you know, it's it's a vertical plane, and they're kind of hitting it on a diagonal. Uh-huh. And one guy's further, and one guy's real close. Yeah. And they were trying to get it all in one. I don't know. Yeah. But that was, was really of, weird. Yeah, it felt like, that another thing that was just, like, it took me out of the movie for a second. Yeah. I was like, ah. <laughs> That's, those, those scenes there are kind of what I'm talking about. Like, just a little bit too long, just a little bit yeah, too close. Yeah, stay a little long on his uh-huh. face, too. <laughs> yes. It's like, just yeah, a yeah. tad. Just enough to be a little awkward and noticeable. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah. is, I, I don't know. It's... I don't know. It just seems to be a recurring theme. Every time I watch one of those kinds of movies, I don't know what it is. I just don't know. But I always notice that. It's not even so much the close-up stuff. It's just I don't know why the length annoys me. I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It might have just been, like, harder to cut down the maybe. film back then. I don't know. But pacing is, like, it, huge. It could be pacing. Yeah, pacing, yeah. Pacing is really big in, in anything, you know, especially in, in film. Like, if mm-hmm. you if you don't feel the rhythm, it's gonna it's going to boot you out. Just yeah. like you were saying, like when when they come up really close to his face, it kind of takes you out of the movie. And you're like, "What the heck is that?" And like, "Why are they doing that?" And then you lose it for a minute, and then you all of a sudden have lost all this good content or supposedly good content. Yeah, you lose credibility. Exactly. That. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I do think it's probably a way easier with technology now to go back yeah. and like get that mm-hmm. timing better. So maybe they just hadn't. Also, it was like pretty new for film, just to yeah. have pacing in general. Mm-hmm. So like, could it just be something they were trying to figure out still? So yeah. But again, yeah. how much can you really blame on true. genre or like time and technology? So. Yeah, it's true. How much? How, how much have you guys learned about like actual film history, like about people going to the cinema? And I just I don't I mean, know. I don't know too much about it. Like, do you um, know when the first actual movie was? Like the I mean, actual I know the first like video was like a short film of a train going across yeah. the station, mm-hmm. and like people w- went to go see that in a the theater, and they literally like. Ran out of the theater because the train was coming really? at them. They didn't realize, they didn't under, couldn't comprehend that That's it was awesome. a video. Which is insane. That is really cool. Yeah. That is very, very interesting. Um, yeah, it's that's so wild. Um, when did that come out? 19 uh, something? 18? In the 10s, I think. In interesting. Like 19, 16, 18. Huh. And then there was, there was like the silent film area, and then the talkies were probably, I'm talking out of my ass right now, probably oh, I don't know. early 30s. Okay, Maybe. so talkies is when it's like a silent film, and then they have that like. No, talkies is when they start actually having like dialogue. Oh, okay. So the silent films, they would have the that's that stuff. The, yeah, the text and stuff. Okay. So like all, most of all, I think almost all of Charlie Chaplin's films were like yeah, silent, silent films. films Absolutely. Like um, yeah, and then talkies started to take over, and now that's like basically all. That's what it is. Everything's a talkie. Interesting. I yeah. didn't know that that was a name for it. A talkie. That's what they used to call it. Yeah. Really? Now. We're going to the talkie tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. It was a big deal when I came, like when talkies first came around, because all these, yeah. silent, like especially actors like Charlie Chaplin, probably got, like they got really like worried because they thought they were, mm-hmm. were going to become outdated. Yeah, because his whole style is based on silent genre. Yeah, and, so and it's about facial expression and like your yeah, bodily it's all about emotion, body language, and yeah. dancing and moving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, can you imagine how bad the sound was in 
in whatever, 19, whatever. Like, imagine yeah. going to the theater, and they played, they, they, their soundtracks and everything was played mm. off a, an old gramophone record. They would press these things. Oh, really? Just like you have to re, you know, like, what you have to put in film into the camera and mm-hmm. keep replacing those reels as they as they run out. Yeah. You had to do the same thing. You had to set up multiple records yeah. and then time it with the movie. That's and insane. it would play There's out like of this a gramophone dude. That's yeah. just like yeah, absolutely. With the movie. And that was actually was like not even connected to the film. That's mm-hmm. so, that, I know that's that, not connected that's... at all. But that's that's how they used to play the stuff in in the theaters. And eventually they came out with like stereo sound, and mm-hmm. they started coming out with all these new little interesting things. And as soon as the radio hit, mm-hmm. this is very off topic. But as soon as radio hit, people stopped going to the movies. So. Right. Hollywood needed to take the power back, basically, and it it created this crazy, just, like, ridiculous craze of, in, in quote-unquote, innovation in just anything it was that would make it worth it to go back to the theater when, when radio and TV hit. Mm-hmm. So they would come out with, like, interesting ways of shooting stuff. They came out with Cinerama, you know, like the Cinerama right. Dome yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in Hollywood. That was shot on three, or that was sh- exhibited on three different projectors. They shot, oh, wow. like... I think seven films ever in Cinerama, but that was just one of their ploys to like get people yeah, to mean, come back to the theater. With, like, like they're still trying to get people to the theater with yeah, 3D, like, IMAX, 3D, like, IMAX, Dolby Atmos. It's all gimmicks, but it's all fun. Yeah, and it gets you back. Yeah. But just the amount, like I bet you that originally talking in the movie was something was that gimmick. they were like. That's oh, what everyone thought. It was exactly. a gimmick. It was mm-hmm. like people were not going to respond to that. People wanted totally. the silent film. Yeah, totally. actually, you know what? Now that we mentioned that, I think that the first sound film was the jazz singer in 1927 that, i think it was 27 you could yeah, look it, it up online 29, 29 but it was the I'm jazz singer um yeah that actually sounds right now that you say that when did it come out 27 27 oh, 1927 <laughs> the jazz singer i don't know why i know that i think so but i i'm almost 100 percent certain that that was the first movie is, yep to have sound not only the first synchronized recorded music score, yeah. but also lip synchro- synchron like lip synchronization, yeah, lip synchronization, yeah. yeah. Um, and several isolated sequences, mm-hmm. and is being heralded the commercial ascendance of sound films and ended the silent film era. Yeah, yep, that's the movie. I should see that movie. <laughs> I I I think that it's uh very dated. Uh, I bet. And it's con. Do you see the picture right there? The, the guy in blackface. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, it's a it's a Ooh. 1927 film. This is that movie. Yeah, it's that movie. Oh, I've seen I've like seen photos clips. Of this. Yeah, clips. Yeah, it's very famous. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, now I really have to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's been ranked one of the best films of all time. Interesting. We digress. Yes. <laughs> um, but before we completely go off topic again, um, the one thing I was gonna say is I think um, going back a little bit. Um, you were talking about how they would play scores and would have to mm-hmm. move the records and like, yeah. re- track it. I think that kind of adds to the whole theater experience. That yeah, totally. When people would go to the theater, because it's more of a performance than anything. Like, like they're showing them film, but also live. Like, there's a person feeding the film, yeah. and then there's a person syncing the music with yeah. the film. Which Absolutely. Is... And they also used to do live, you know, live performance mm-hmm. for scores, just like they do at the Hollywood Bowl these days. Yeah. You know, that's that's. That's like a fun experience for us now, but that used to be like we have to do that. You know, yeah, like when yeah, yeah. when you went to a, even a silent film, anything there was there was a piano player. Yeah. Like yeah. that was a job in the theater. It was like, That's "Oh, cool. you're the guy who plays the piano." And it actually was improvised. Oh, Usually really? for silent films, yeah. Usually was wow. not 
predetermined by anybody that wasn't uh, that wasn't a job that existed in quote unquote Hollywood, which yeah. also didn't really exist until further into the 1900s. It okay. all used to be in New York. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that maybe I, I might be making that up. But I feel like maybe that was what people made people stop going to the theater later on is when mm-hmm. that was synchronized and it became less of a performance and more yeah. just a thing they're like thrown on that screen but that was also incredible back in the day i mean like they they're came right. out with stereo sound and they were like wow yeah. we can hear him singing on the left side of the theater and we can hear him running on the right side of the theater like you could actually yeah. feel people move just like you said with the train mm-hmm. like they felt as if the train was going to hit them yeah. like you could hear yeah, people could hear move too, yeah. from one side of the theater to the other and you could you could split things like that was revolutionary yeah. completely revolutionary which kind of a side point but i i think that's why like theater is mm-hmm. never going to go away yeah. like movie theaters and cinema totally. because there's constantly improving technology mm-hmm. that Right now, the gimmick may be 3D, but, like, a lot of things is, like, going on 70 millimeter, which is yeah. totally worth going to a theater oh, for yeah. because the image is so much crisper than anything mm-hmm. you get at home. And things were meant to be seen on a big screen. You know, like, mm-hmm. you can tell when, when there's a, a director or a cinematographer that has created something to yeah. be viewed on an immersive, exactly. massive screen. Yeah. And people like, always, are always saying that, like, it's the end of movie theaters, but yeah. I, I don't think so because people... Like, especially, like, artists, like mm-hmm. you're saying, that, like, purposely try to do that. They're always coming out. Like, the people want to make movies that want to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. And so they're always going to make these type of movies, which is going to drive the theater. Mm-hmm. To it's like out. the Cinerama stuff. They only mm-hmm. made that. They only invented that technology because they wanted to get this incredible landscape. It, all of the Cinerama movies are Westerns, every single one. They're 70s Westerns. Mm-hmm. And they're all basically the same cookie cutter thing where you see you know like a a caravan of of horses of like horse-drawn carriages running across the desert in just this massive massive grandeur which is like amazing to see on the way it was meant to be displayed Mm -hmm. but then you stick it on your phone and you stick your headphones in while you're on southwest airlines and you're like (laughs) this isn't cool you know like my 6.5 inch iphone screen just just doesn't do it justice yeah, I, I'm 100% with that. I fully believe that you should go to a theater mm-hmm. and see a movie if you can. Um, but let's move on to some more discussion points because, wow, time has flown. What time is it? It's 2.52, Look at man. that. That's crazy. Um, but I have a lot more points. Maybe we'll go over a little bit. Um, but so one of the things, I said this earlier when I was writing it down, um, that it was this felt like a simpler movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like you were saying, a lot of films can get really convoluted and complex. Um, but the plot was very clear, and, like, at the beginning of the movie, they, like, do that little 15-minute expositional thing, and then, so you understand what the plot is is going forward, um, and it's almost felt like a simpler kind of movie that you could, like, comprehend. It was, like... Yeah, there were no tricks. There's no tricks. Yeah, which is kind of nice. I don't Mm -hmm. know. No, it's Um, very nice. Yeah, because I feel like movies try not to do that now because it's been done before, and, like, it's a trope. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of nice to see movies that were like he not trying to, to like blow you away with their yeah. creative genius. Totally, you know? absolutely. Um, but yeah, but a more interesting discussion point I want to talk about is um, just because it's the first to do it, does that make it better? That's an interesting thing. So that I was about to say, well, you were talking about the jazz singer. It says on Wikipedia or whatever, it's one of the best movies of all time. Mm-hmm. 
I don't believe that just because it was the first, it's the best of all time. I think I that applies to. <laughs> I think that applies to most everything. Like, there's a reason why it didn't stop with that. You know, there's a reason why somebody took that and interpreted it and then built on it and created a new work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's. And then maybe that's the best thing ever. I, it's very difficult, I think, to pin down like what's the best thing. You know, I, I my perspective is from music. I think whatever you started with. Well, we're not going to start with jazz, but let's just start with with rock and roll. You start with Elvis, and you start with you know like that super simple stuff, which some people believe is the greatest of all time. And then you get the Beatles, and you get these incredibly complex chord progressions, and you get excellent songwriting, mm-hmm. and you get people like the Beach Boys, like I was talking about earlier today with you. And then all of a sudden, it turns into two decades later into Led Zeppelin, right? right. But that all came from the same place. Everything came from whatever was the first thing, mm-hmm. you know? Just because the first thing was the first thing, I do not think makes it the best one. Absolutely. Just to disagree with you, because I want to. Please. So, without the first thing, you can't have the other thing. That is true. So, does that not give it more merit? Because it was the first thing to do it, which inspired other things to do it. I think that it, that it pulls it weight. Credit? Yeah, I think that it pulls some weight, but I don't think that it constitutes it being the best, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it that the first evolution of anything is it never the best ever. I don't, I can't so think of a say, single thing. Coca Cola's okay, recipe actually. the first time around was not the same as it is today. Well, because I was gonna say, like when people patent things, they invent something and they immediately go patent it. So you're saying, but do you that think they would patent? I don't think that had a better product. Probably. Yeah, but also I don't think that uh, anybody who gets a patent is going to patent their first idea. They're going to make sure that it's correct and that the thing is going to work. I and feel like the same gonna... thing with the movie. Like when they came with the first draft of the script was probably different than the final version of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So exactly, the first script you can you literally dissect it down to the to the first letter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But the first version of the script is not the best version. That's why they didn't go with it. That's why they used that script to evolve it into whatever it was, into the maximum that it could be. Mm-hmm. And then whoever comes along next year will do it again and again and again and again. Not to say that whatever was older is worse. It's just different. There's no best or worst. It's all good, right? If it's, if it's hitting us at this point, it's probably good. Yeah. The stuff that we haven't seen, we haven't seen for a reason. The stuff right. that hasn't stood the test of time, the stuff from whatever, 1941, that we don't know what, I don't know what came out in 1941 except for Citizen Kane, right? Yep. I can't think of a single movie. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I do, I want to flip it though. So, what if, say, a movie comes out this year mm-hmm. that follows the same basic structure that Citizen Kane did and does it like equally as good, if not better? Would, would you you would inevitably compare that movie to Citizen Kane and would discredit that current film for copying the previous film, even though it did it better? Or do you disagree? Mm, I think that, like we were talking about tastes and styles change, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that subject subjectivity of quote-unquote the best mm-hmm. comes with our subjective ideas, you know? If you re- again, if you release Citizen Kane today, nobody would like it. Yeah. Nobody would like it because it just doesn't fit the mold, and it doesn't fit the mold so much so that it wouldn't fly. 
right? People are coming out with movies, indie movies and, and whatever, low-budget films that are super avant-garde, but they still fly. You know, like they're still getting awards at whatever it is. But if you come up with something that's so absurdly out of left field, it just doesn't hold. It's like what, you know, yeah. it's... But I feel like when movies come out and they're copying a pre... Like a thing that's been done before, thing. Yeah, a pre-existing thing. They still have to add their own edge to it. Absolutely. Like, people don't give it merit unless it's like, oh, unless it's, it's, like own, unless it's creative. Pain, but a horror version, you know? Like, they have yeah. to do that. They have to do that Totally. Edge. 100%. Because nobody wants to be a copycat fully. Because right. then nobody believes you about anything, right? Yeah. Because if, if, you're, if you're copying something outright, then why can't I do that? Why yeah. am I not on the big screen, right? Mm-hmm. So there has to be that thing that, that differentiates whoever's actually creating the content from the populace, I guess you could say. Like, mm-hmm. I'll watch a Steven Spielberg film. I know I can't do that. That's why he exists, right? <laughs> but if he's yeah. going to go out and literally copy and paste Citizen Kane, I'm going to be like, what the hell, Spielberg? Yeah. I could have done that. But then there's the argument of, like, well, you didn't, right? (laughs) That's true. It's like the Jackson Pollock kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, he did it first. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's really interesting of, yeah, I don't don't know. Who does, like, whether you do it first or doing it second, even if it's better, like, you're inevitably going to be compared to it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But, okay, let's move on to a couple of final points, and then we'll end it up. Um... I just had an idea. Why is it called Citizen Kane, and why is it not called Rosebud? <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking when we were watching it, I did not know why it was called Citizen Kane. I don't know. But why is it called Citizen Kane? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know why either. it's called Citizen Kane as opposed to his name or anything else. I don't know why they called him Citizen. All these film nerds that are probably listening are, like, laughing at us. Yeah, probably. Like, what's up with the title? Because I never feel like he's actually like a, a citizen of. He's always he's portrayed as something different, right? Mm-hmm. Not as a citizen of whatever the people that he's serving. The people that he serves, he's controlling. He's not even a citizen. He's a ruler. Yeah. So this article on Schmoop. Dot com. I love Schmoop. Schmoop got me through high school. <laughs> Same. Uh, this is this is exactly what Kane thinks of himself early in the film. The, the word citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, he thinks of himself as a citizen early in the film as he tries to use his power and fortune to become responsible to the community and attack the corruption of rich people and politicians. But over time, Kane forgets he's a citizen in the moral sense and spends all his time only thinking about himself. Ultimately, Charles Kane actually fails to be the good citizen he always wishes to be. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's probably a better title. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. And then there's also this whole biblical... I didn't even... There's a biblical there's a aspect biblical, to it? Yeah, well, Cain. Oh, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. And then there's also his best friend, Jedediah, which is a very obvious oh, biblical name. Oh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, because by the end of the movie, Cain is completely doomed to isolation, and it's only in his final moments that he realizes he isn't as good a person at all, like Abel did, but a bad guy like Cain. Interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's really weird. Who would have guessed? I, I, would, I did not pick up on the religious Yeah, that's allegory. a good reading into it. That's it. Thank <laughs> that's you, cool. Schmoop. Yeah, Schmoop is still getting me through life. Of course. <laughs> Schmoop is the best. Yeah. For um, all things book and film related, yeah. schmoop.com. We'll give them a plug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then 
uh, I think this is, yeah, this is the last point I'm going to talk about, um, is, uh, what do you think, because we, we didn't t- address this really, but, um, there's some stuff about domestic violence and mm-hmm. abusive relationships in here. I thought that was pretty progressive for a 1941 film, and I don't even know if they were fully going for that, or what, I don't know, what do you think? Were, do you think that was, they were trying to send a message about I think relationships that, that are like that, or do you think it was just part of the plot? I think it was kind of just part of the plot. I think that the thinking from a hindsight perspective, you know, like from us thinking about people thinking in mm-hmm. 1940, I don't think that they they were on the same page as us, like saying whatever. You know, they portrayed when he got up in front of his first wife and they cast that shadow on her. I think that was rather a a portrayal of maybe like, okay, he's the man of the household mm-hmm. and that's how it should be as opposed to like, whoa, this is not cool. You know, like that's yeah. these days. Maybe you're that's like a my whoa. 2018 lens looking through it. I think it, it could be from it. I don't know though, because like he did like slap her, and there was a lot. I don't. There was a lot of stuff in there that like it felt like they were trying to give a message for. I don't. Maybe not. I, I think that that was honestly just unfortunately a norm of the day. Unfortunately, maybe. yeah. But I mean, like us looking looking at that from a hindsight perspective, we mm. can see it through a different lens, right? Yeah, like no, you I, can I see that. I can pull the meaning out of that. Like I can think, I can look at this film mm-hmm. and almost see it as a progressive film now. Totally. When it wasn't meaning to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's interesting because a lot of the movie almost dealt, like besides the whole like Citizen Kane arc of him going and like being successful and then failing. There's this whole other plot of like domestic violence. Yeah, I and mean, I think you can also look at it from like you can look at it from the from the guy's point of view or you mm. can look at it from the woman's point of view and if you're the woman's point of view like she's physically sitting down and mm. there's this we even this noticed this guy's man. really tall yeah, yeah I look and over. how tall is this man there's a shadow cast on her and you feel like this guy is mean and you know whatever like we've realized through the whole movie that this guy is just completely self-absorbed yeah. so you can view it from that way or if you view it from the male perspective you're like this guy's super successful and his wife is mm-hmm. being a bitch, you know, yep. which is like, it, it's the other side of the coins. I, I don't know yeah. what people would have thought back in the day. I have no idea. I think that is probably what it is because when the movie came out, it was probably that was only acceptable. going for the male perspective. Probably. When people watched it, they only saw it from the male perspective mm-hmm. because he's the one who gets the money and gets rich, and he's the yes. one responsible for all of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they see it as. But now that we see it from a more maybe a holistic perspective now... It takes on a different meaning. We're looking at it from either I, both perspectives, from a distance, or... Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, sorry about that. Apparently, in the recording of this podcast, there is a limit to the time length, and because we went so far over, it stopped recording. Whew. So um, let me just to recap what we're kind of ending on. Um, basically, uh, we're talking about the domestic violence dispute of whether that was intentional or whether that was just uh, part of the times and that was just what they made. Perhaps it really just depends on the audience and the perspective that they take. So Probably when Citizen Kane was created, uh, we're thinking that maybe they made it to gear it towards more of a male perspective instead of this holistic or even just a female perspective and looking at it from the female's like point of view. That's kind of what we concluded with. Um, maybe that's not what it is at all, and maybe that's just what we're thinking. 
But uh, overall, this it was great to have Ashton on the show. He seemed pretty eager to come back, which is good. So I hope he does. Uh, and that's about it for this podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Please feel free to subscribe. Uh, we will have another weekly episode coming next Monday. So feel free to tune in then. Until then, see ya.